All right, and we're back. This is Tim Blankenship with Divorce 661's Daily Perspective, Episode 4, a daily broadcast where we're talking about what happened today, cases that I worked on, client issues, people trying to do their own divorce, issues they're having, judgment rejections, everything to do with California divorce. Specifically today, we're talking, we're going to talk about and address the following, how to file for divorce in California, specifically when both parties agree, true default cases and trying to terminate spouse support on long-term marriages and the issues that come across with that, downside to summary dissolutions, how to go from a legal separation case to a divorce case and vice versa. There's some uh, tricks in there that we'll help you work with. Um, when the petition response is filed but no movement on your case, how to move your case forward. San Bernardino has finally added e-filing but only for civil. That was just a brief update. Hopefully family law will be coming soon. We're going to talk about the grounds for divorce in California. And we're also going to do some training at the end on how to um, serve your divorce papers by publication in California. So let's get right into it with today's daily perspective. How to file for divorce in California when both parties agree. Why do I set that question up that way? If you are in agreement and you are amicable, a couple of things I want to touch on. Number one, tell your spouse in advance that you're going to file for divorce. Don't make it a surprise. Don't um, get them served in person. Don't let that happen. There's a lot of things that you can do to keep it amicable if it's starting out amicable. File your divorce case. Let them know in advance. Get your petition filed. You do not need to have them served. If you're using my service, we, we do service by notice and acknowledgement via email through a portal that I use where it's just a person, I'm sorry, there's just a document that the respondent will sign. That's it. It doesn't have to be all exciting and get served and hire a process server or call the sheriff. We see people who don't start with us, do their own divorce, um, initiated at least. They go through the court's channels, they file their case, and it says, oh, for hiring the sheriff is an option for getting them served. And they'll literally have their spouse served by the sheriff's department by a deputy Totally unnecessary. Use notice of acknowledgement. Lots of things you can do to keep your case uh, being amicable. And then you can also uh, avoid having a response being filed. That's another big thing I wanted to bring up when you guys agree. Response is not required. Um, it's just going to save you uh, or just going to cost you another $435 in court fees. I think a lot of people are unaware of that, even though I talk about that so often. So don't file a response. Don't serve your spouse. Come to an agreement. Follow your petition and then go right to the settlement agreement. Just start drafting up your settlement agreement. That's how I do it for my clients. And that's the best way to do it when you are uh, both agree to the terms and you have an amicable divorce. Okay, number two, true default issues, uh, trying to terminate spouse support on long-term marriages. So let me define what a true default is. A true default is also known as a default without an agreement. If the other party is not going to participate, cooperate, and first I'll tell you, do everything in your power to get them to participate. I know you may think, hey, and this is just what clients tell me, I did not involve my, I did not involve my spouse because I thought it'd just be easier to do a default judgment and not involve them. Trust me, it's the most difficult process to get through the court. Um, it's very unlikely you will get them. I do not like doing true default cases because they're highly technical. Usually... Well, I should start by saying the petition has to be filed a certain way. 
that's when you do have to attach property declarations. You do have to divide your property 50-50. You have no leeway on what you do. Always involve your spouse. It's always the easiest way uh, if you're amicable in that way. What I want to talk about specifically on terminating spouse support on long-term marriages, you can only do that by agreement. California law states if you and your spouse have been married longer than 10 years, that the court's jurisdiction, their ability to order spouse support to either party is reserved for future determination. Most of our clients who have long-term marriages doing this amicably want to terminate that. Maybe they're both working, they're both self-supporting or what have you, and we will do a waiver that they will initial and sign off on saying that they both are terminating uh, the court's jurisdiction despite the fact that it would normally be reserved. You cannot do that in a default without an agreement type case. You would have to reserve jurisdiction, and that is your only option. If you have a petition that you filed and you either didn't mark anything for spousal or you marked terminate the court's jurisdiction, serve that, and then your your uh, spouse is not going to participate. If you try and turn in a judgment, a default judgment saying terminate spousal, the court will reject your judgment saying you can't do that. It's a long-term marriage. So if you go then to say, well, let me make this correction to my judgment and uh, change it to reserved, the court will reject your judgment again saying you can't make any requests in your judgment that you didn't make in your petition. So even though they're telling you, hey, you can't mark the box to terminate, they're telling you to mark the box to reserve. When you go to turn that back in, they're going to say it doesn't match the petition. And that's the trickiest part about default without agreement type cases. So what you'd have to do in this particular case is you'd have to amend your summons and petition to and, and check the reserve box, refile reserve. It doesn't restart the clock on the six months, but you do have to wait another 30 days because if you did file the request in your default, it will set that aside automatically by the by the filing of amended petition. We just had a client who uh, did a consultation with us last week where that was the information I had to tell him. He thought he was so far along in the process only to learn that because of the mistakes he made on the petition, we had to start over. Number three, downside to summary dissolutions. First of all, let me tell you, I love summary dissolutions where you qualify less than $43,000 and some change in combined assets and debts. You can't have a family home. Um, you have to be married less than five years, no children. Um, they're very straightforward cases. The downside, and I did this as a short video on YouTube last week, and it got gained a lot of traction in a, and I'll give you the contrast to the regular process. We get people in various stages of being amicable. So yes, you're amicable at this point. Maybe that changes down the road. But with the summary dissolutions, we can get those done in just a day, get you to sign them. And in most courts, we can e-file those so we can get those filed within just a couple of days. Then you just wait the six months and they mail out the divorce decree. Super simple. We do a ton of them every, every month. The one downside is that either party at any time without warning or notice can file a document called revocation of the joint petition just to revoke the petition. It's I guess it could also be looked at as an advantage as well because you don't uh, you can either party could dismiss it. So if you did file for divorce using the summary dissolution and you're within that six month window, all it takes is signing a revocation of the petition and the whole case gets dismissed entirely. So that could be a positive if you guys did want to easily and quickly um, terminate the uh, divorce proceedings. However, let's say that you guys were, this is the downside portion of it. Let's say you guys were in agreement, but your spouse just wanted to be a little bit of a nuisance and uh, 
a few, maybe a week before the divorce is to be finalized, one spouse wants to stop it, but the other one doesn't. They, you do not have to get the other spouse's permission. This re revocation form does not require both signatures. It only requires signature of one party. So that's why I say there is a downside to summary dissolutions. If you're concerned that that might happen and one party may revoke it when you don't want to, just use the regular divorce process, a little bit more paperwork, but that cannot be revoked except by the petitioner who can have uh, asked that the, um, the case be dismissed entirely. Okay, I had a question. So number four, how to go from legal separation to divorce? Uh, how to go from legal separation to divorce? And then, then again, divorce to legal separation. So I had a question on YouTube. They asked, how can you go from legal separation to divorce? So we're going to talk about if you haven't finalized your legal separation divorce case. So if you filed for a petition for legal separation, and then maybe it's gone through a couple months, you guys haven't made any progress, but ultimately you decide, you know what, we don't want to do the legal separation. We want to do the divorce. By agreement, you generally do not have to amend your petition to change your request to divorce. You can simply turn in a judgment um, uh, judgment package for divorce ver versus legal separation because divorce will trump legal separation. It's not always the case going the other way. If you file for divorce and then you go to file for legal separation judgment because you change your mind, which we don't see that too often, um, you likely will have to amend your petition to legal separation because, again, the divorce trumps the um, legal separation case. And one thing I will add to that as well, let's say you filed a petition for legal separation and, and you don't want the divorce, but then your spouse files a response for divorce. Again, the divorce kind of checkmates the response uh, the petition for summary uh, for uh, uh, legal separation. And so it would end up becoming a divorce case. So that was if you guys are have not finalized your legal separation case. If you completed a legal separation case completely, you got the judge to sign off on a legal separation case, you cannot just then convert that to a divorce down the road. You have to file a brand new case for divorce, refile, reserve, new judgment, new judgment package, new case number, new court fees, new everything. You don't have to readdress the agreements and terms in your legal separation case. You would just be dissolving the marriage and that would be done through a new case. Number five, when petition and response are filed, but no movement on your case, how to move your case forward. So we'll get clients who have three, four, five, six, 10-year-old uh, cases. Um, they are amicable. Maybe they're not. Maybe they were amicable and now they're not. But a petition was filed and the respondent filed a response. In LA County, they have a, basically what I'm suggesting you do is get the court involved at this point instead of just leaving it up to the two of you to say, hey, you know, we're not making progress. Uh, the court's not going to get involved unless you ask them to in most cases. So there's a document you can file called request for trial setting. Doesn't mean you're going to go right to trial. So I don't want you to feel like you're requesting a trial. It could ultimately end in trial, but not in, in the very near term. It's basically a trial setting. The setting means they're gonna, there's, there will be a court date established, usually in 30 to 60 days from when you file it, maybe longer depending on your court. But it's going to allow you to say, we're going through divorce and here's the issues we're having. Maybe you guys don't agree on child custody or child support or spouse support or property division. You'll just mark those boxes on the trial setting request, file it. You'll get a court date. You guys will go it. You'll get a notice to appear. They'll show up and you can say, look, we filed. You responded. We don't agree on X, Y, and Z. 
And the court will now be involved in pushing you guys through the process. The judge, after here's what you guys have to say, will make some decisions. Do I send you to mediation? Um, do I say, take these following actions? Maybe you haven't done your disclosures yet. They will then set a path to completion for you and move you guys forward depending on your circumstances and how far apart you are in your agreements, um, and whether they think that might be trial, mediation, or some other uh, source of court assistance. <clears throat> and the reason I recommend you do that is if you don't, you're just going to sit in the stalemate of no progress. This way, the court's now saying, on this date, come back to court, and by this date, have X, Y, and Z done, and then we'll reassess your case and see what to do moving forward. Number seven, grounds for divorce in California. I did a, a video on this uh, earlier, um, last week rather, and uh, got a lot of views. I think people were, were, were thinking that there is grounds for divorce in California. There is not. Irreconcilable differences is the only thing you can check. It's the only option. Basically means it just didn't work out. The court's not going to, the court doesn't inquire any uh, about any rationale, reason. They don't care whose fault it is. In fact, it doesn't matter if there is a fault. In fact, uh, it may just be that you are, it is irreconcilable differences. But regardless of what really happened, irreconcilable difference is the only thing the court cares about. Um, it would never come up even in trial. They could care less what the rationale is for the divorce. It doesn't give you an advantage one way or the other at trial to try and get more assets or debts or alimony or anything like that. The, the cause for the divorce is irrelevant entirely. Okay, now we're going to do some training. We uh, had a request of people wanting me to do a video on how to do service by publication. What that means is if you cannot locate your spouse, the court does have an option of serving, quote unquote, your spouse by essentially putting an ad in a newspaper saying a petition was filed on this date. And um, there's rules that we'll go over. It has to be in the newspaper 30 days and all that. But I want to talk about the, the severe disadvantages of going this route and why in 11 years of doing this, I have handled one service by publication, and I'm going to go over why. So as far as the training portion is concerned, this is how service by publication would go down. You would file your summons petition and <clears throat> whatever other forms are for your particular court, get a case number issued. Then you have to file a form FL980, and this is application for order for publication or posting. Posting means putting it up on the court wall. They're not doing that anymore. So you need to make this as application for order for publication. And then it's pretty much a straightforward form, just a two-page form. You put the, re, you know, box number one, publication request. Um, you're just, you're, at, you're saying, hey, we want, we're requesting publication for the uh, following case. Um, then you have your posting request. You're going to tell the court where you are placing this, you know, what um, newspaper that you're going to place this with, you're um, generally are going to be required to place it in a, what do they call it? A newspaper of general circulation um, in the city or, or location you last known the respondent to be in with the idea that they're going to open up the paper and see that they've, that there's a case filed so they can, they can respond to it. Obviously the likelihood of someone seeing a petition file is very remote, but that's still the court's process. 
Box number three, the legal documents to be served are, you just mark, you know, summons and petition in the box. Now, here's where it gets the most critical part. On page two, they have uh, section 5D. It says, I have taken the following steps to try to find the respondent. They don't give you any direction, any ideas of what you should do or try to do or anything. You may just end up writing, I didn't try or you know, I don't know where he lives or just you might just put something very basic down. Let me give you a look into the window of what you're up against in trying to get these uh, approved. The courts are not wanting to approve these because they want the person to be um, officially served and, and given proper notice for the divorce case so they can be involved if they decide to do so. So they highly scrutinize these. Um, usually the court's going to make you do take so many steps to try and locate your spouse that by taking the steps that they require, you probably will find your spouse. And in the 11 years, as I've seen, I've been doing this, we only did one and it was probably 10 years ago because the the amount of work that the courts make you, uh, hoops that they make you jump through to locate your spouse will usually turn up finding your spouse unless of course they're dead and then you'll at least know that as well and you don't need to go through the divorce process. But we just had someone uh, do this last uh, month and I said, hey, you know, we... We can try the publication, but here's all the steps they're going to make you do. And guess what? He found a spouse by taking the steps that the court makes you uh, take. Not only is it a lot to um, uh, hoops you have to jump through before you can apply for the publication. Um, I lost track because my phone is going off here. Uh, but the other downside, what I was going to say, is the amount of time it adds to the process. If you file your divorce case, you, then you have to turn in the, the request for publication. That could take a couple of weeks to a month plus for the court to approve. There's a loss of a month. Then you have to put in the newspaper for 30 days and you have to call and pay that expense, get in the paper, run for three days, and then the newspaper will send you um, a document showing that it's been, it was published on this date to that date. Then the date of service of the petition doesn't start at the date of the initial uh, publication date. It actually, and it also doesn't uh, start at the date of the final date of publication. It actually starts 30 days after it, after the publication ended. So there's another 60 days of delays. So with the order getting approved and the, and the requirement for publication, it's going to add three months to your timeline. I will tell you this: always look for your spouse, locate them, get them served. <clears throat> and now I want to go over. Um, what you have to do in order to get these approved. And you wouldn't know this, but there's a rejection form. The only way you kind of get a uh, look inside of what the court wants you to do is look at the reject form of what they're saying needs to be done. So this reject form, and you can look it up, is what is the form number? There is no form number. Oh, here it is. LASC, so Los Angeles Superior Court, FAM as in family, dash 009. And all courts are going to require this. So don't, this isn't a form that you would file, but you can use this for any court. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can use this for any court because they're going to have the same requirements. So there's uh, probably 12 requirements of what needs to happen before the court will entertain approving your request for publication. So here, I'm just going to go down the form and here's what's required. It says, number one, Provide additional facts and evidence. So this is the reject sheet. Like if you don't do these things, it's going to be rejected. Provide additional facts and evidence to substantiate the need to serve by publication and fulfill the requirements of this rule. 
Number A, it appears that you may have obtained a valid address. More inquiry on the address in question is required. That's number one. That's just a reject item. B, attempt personal service and provide process service declaration signed under penalty of perjury, including dates and times of attempts of service. So if you say that there is an address for the respondent when you file your paperwork, they're going to want attempts. They're going to want you to hire a process server, and they're going to have to make three, four, maybe five attempts at different times of the day, different days, and they're going to have to document that and then provide you a proof of service saying that the following actions were taken to attempt to serve your spouse. That's just one issue that's going to be required. Um, C, check all Southern California telephone listings. Okay, so uh, when was this form updated? 2018. So I don't think there's been the yellow pages then, but they're talking about searching online at this point. Um, looking for phone numbers, doing background checks, uh, doing Google searches, uh, doing, uh, you know, these lookup. There's some ser some services where you can do some lookups. Um, D, check real property ownership records for all of California. So they want you to run a property records search to show, and then you got a printout showing there is no listing uh, for them. Uh, e, Check the local post office for a change of address information. Uh, submit the attached form to the post office and return the stamped form to the court. So, I mean, you can see how big of a pain in the butt doing all these things would be than just actually finding them. And the reason I bring this up is I think most people who call me and say, I want to do a publication, I think they just don't want to involve the other party. They're thinking this is a fast and easy approach to skip out on having to serve, and it's not. Letter F. Attempt to contact respondents, family, and friends. Explain search. Past friends, families, neighbors, um, you know, they're going to want you to document all of this. We're talking like two or three pages of declaration you're going to have to draft, saying and sh showing all these things you've done. Then they want to know, what is respondents' last known home address? Describe your investigation into that address. Going there, knocking on the door, knocking on neighbors' doors, trying to track them down. Letter I, what is respondent's last known work address? Describe your investigation, <coughs> excuse me, into that address. Going to the employer, contacting the employer, writing them a letter, certified mail saying, you know, is this person working? Because you can serve them at work. Um, you know, you're going to have to document that. Are they there? Are they not there? What's going on? Maybe a letter back from the employer saying they no longer work here and they don't know where they live. Um, letter J. Have respondent and petitioner ever lived in the uh, United States? If so, California, Los Angeles County. Uh, number two, use the pre-printed Los Angeles Superior Court forms for the application and order if they're available on the website. Okay, all of that needs to happen um, to, and then that's just to get, do all those things just to submit to the court so they can entertain the idea of approving. They could also just say, you know what, I think you can find them and you're being lazy. Courts have a lot of uh, wiggle room on what they can do. So um, that's what you're up against when it comes to the service uh, notice of uh, publication for purposes of serving your summons and petition in California. Again, as I said earlier, adds three months of time and you have to jump through some serious hoops to get those approved. Hope you enjoyed today's episode four of the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective. We'll talk to you tomorrow.